Hello, hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode. I received so many questions from my last episode about um, one of the comments I made on how our kids nowadays are so incredibly stressed, far more than any other generation we've ever seen. So I thought for today, because I had so many questions, I would talk about some of those things. Now, there's a whole host of reasons why kids get anxious. So, you know, I think we could probably spend a few weeks just talking about all the different reasons why. And I don't want to get caught in why they're anxious, but I really do want to focus on the stresses that they experience because, well, first of all, stress is one of the biggest contributors to anxiety and our kids are very stressed out. I mean, they're more stressed out now than inpatient psychiatric patients were 50 years ago. So, so you know, it's a big deal. But also some of the stress are things that we can actually help alleviate. They don't have to cope with all of the stress. A lot of it is very unnecessary. I think it's really important as adults, you know, oftentimes we tend to fall into the mindset that our kids really don't have that much to stress about, but we got to understand they really do experience a lot of stress. And it might seem like really small deals, what they're stressed out about compared to what we might be experiencing, but that stress affects them a lot. And there's a lot going on for them. I won't go into the brain chemistry, but you know, there are things in our brain when we get stressed out that help us call down and calm our nervous system and our brain down, whereas the same chemicals in the teenage brain actually intensifies their stress. So we've got to think about those kinds of things, but there's lots of things. I mean, school and friendships and sometimes just visualizing parents' faces are stressful enough, right? Um, but they really do experience a lot of pressure and they can feel a lot of overwhelm from all the different pressures that they, they face. And, you know, when we look at our teens specifically, they do actually report way more stress than adults because they have more expectations from lots of different people. They have more assigned tasks, more deadlines, fewer resources, and fewer breaks than adults. And, you know, even just chores, for example, there's always someone nagging them. If we don't do our chores as adults, there's not someone always on our back. So it's just all of these things really add up. I really could go into a few hours just talking about their stressors, but I wanted to touch on a few key points anyways. It's really the combination of stressors. So there's personal stressors, social, environmental sort of factors that contribute to our kids' experience of compounding stress. And that compounding stress turns into anxiety. So common sources of stress, again, school, parents, even just thinking, you know, when parents are trying to help by doing things like maybe they're monitoring their kiddos homework or helping them get assignments done or chores done, you know, we're really just adding to their stress levels. We're really not helping them at all. Kiddos face a lot of peer pressure stress, even from younger ages. It's there's sort of this downward spiral where, you know, we think of mean girl kind of behavior in junior high. We're actually seeing it in early elementary, sometimes even kindergarten. So there's lots of peer pressure. They don't have as much downtime as they used to do. Um, there's social disconnection and loneliness, which is only multiplied since COVID. There's identity issues, body issues, lots of pressure. There's lots of high expectations and lots of feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. There's social media and there's news. I mean, there's just so many stressors that kids have to face. 
And each child then also has their own unique set of stressors. So some kiddos, for example, they have sensory sensitivities. That just adds a whole host of stress on their plate. Other kiddos might have health issues, even just constipation, which can also create a lot of stress in the body and behaviorally, which then compounds stress externally as well. So I think it's important, you know, yes, just like any other generation, our kids have lots of strong emotions. They're fighting for independence, just like we did when we were kids. They're juggling all of the different relationships in their lives, all the different demands of their lives, just like we did. There's some challenges that are common across generations and, and they do contribute to anxiety, just like when we were kids or grandparents were kids. But we're seeing far more anxiety than ever before. Like I talked about in my previous episode, that turns into depression and self-harm and suicide more than any other generation, which I talked about. And there's a few reasons why. Big piece is that there's this constant comparison and this constant sort of pressure to be perfect in every area of life more than ever before. So immense pressures to overachieve academically. You know, when I went to school, it was, you know, 50-50 if people were going to go to university, but now it's almost an expectation. We've just created this world of such tremendous competition in all areas of life. It's not just enough to be good at something, to just be good at something. You know, they can't just be valedictorian or just volunteer to get into universities because being well-rounded isn't enough. It has to be more than well-roundedness. They have to be good at everything. So there's this pressure to be effortlessly perfect, not just perfect, but effortlessly. So they're not showing any flaws and they're not showing how taxing it really is on their mental health to maintain this image of high achievement in all areas of life. And it's really devastating for our youth to juggle all the expectations that the world imposes on them, whether it's from peers, parents, bosses, teachers, there's just so many, you know, pressures from all the different areas coming on in their life. On top of that, there's this pressure to be happy. There's this pressure to have a growth mindset. There's this pressure to be gritty, right? And build your resilience. All of that can precipitate feelings of inadequacy, depression, loneliness, suicidality, anxiety, everything that we've been talking about. Part of the problem is that our kids are far more affected by the current state of the world than any other generation as well. So that's another piece, high expectations. And now they're seeing what's happening around the world. So we've got this global culture of fear and safety precautions that's really you know, affected our kids, especially with COVID. It's just, I mean, even before COVID, we've had this culture, but it's just increased by tenfold with COVID. And so we're instilling this sort of widespread anxiety, which has only worsened over the past, you know, couple of years with COVID. So our kids and our teens, they're constantly being bombarded with local news, with the world news and everything from politics to healthcare to mass shootings to discrimination and climate change and anti-vaccine and masks and, you know, all of these things more than any other generation. So yes, although all generations have experienced tragedy, yes, What's quite unique to our kids now is the level of exposure to the information that they have. They were born into technology and they're always connected to the world through technology. And unfortunately, we've created this sort of crisis saturated news globally, and that's right at their fingertips. And they can see this tragedy around the world every single day. And that's 
obviously going to affect their, their, their mental well-being because kids soak in so many messages from, from the news, which is contributing to their anxiety. But there's also images about things like beauty, right? There's pictures on Instagram. Those are highly associated with feelings of anxiety as well as depression and worries about body image. And there's this high level of stress about maintaining the sort of perfect online presence and keeping up with all of their friends. And so they spend so much time trying to post what they think everybody else is going to think is a perfect life so that they aren't being rejected. But it's worsening their self-esteem because they don't believe others are going to like the real them if the others actually knew that they weren't so happy and so beautiful and so popular and, and, and weren't actually leading this perfect life. And unfortunately, the more likes that they get, that's only worsening their self-esteem because they, you know, it's just reinforcing that story. Oh, they only like the perfect life that I'm posting out there. And so then they're just perpetuating this sort of vicious cycle of misery, believing that everybody else is happier than me. And so there's this pressure to live up to unrealistic expectations of having a perfect life in the whole, whole the, in the first place. But then also feeling like, why can't I be happy like everybody else, right? And so we end up wasting our lives away, scrolling on social media, seeing how much happier everybody else is, and believing everybody else has got it all, and we're stuck. Um, Roosevelt had a great quote about comparison, saying, comparison is the thief of joy. But we are driven to comparison. This is an ingrained need in our brain. And one of the reasons why we need to learn about our brain and anxiety, but it's an ingrained need to be an important member of a group because not being part of a group signals to the brain that dangers, you know, afoot. And so that's creating a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, which is only magnified with social media and the fear of missing out. Because if we're not part of a group, you know, 10,000 years ago, we will probably get eaten by some sort of predator. So that's why to our brain, if we aren't part of the group, danger, danger, danger. So there's all of this techno stress and kids are feeling even more anxiety and even more isolation. Um, and even things like when they're not receiving an immediate reply to their text, they just texted, <gasps> they're waiting. Five minutes later, their friend still hasn't texted back. <gasps> that anxiety is just building. And then they're expecting other people to respond. They also feel the pressure to respond immediately as well. And so we're just creating and contributing to all of this technology-related anxiety. And so there's this high peer pressure even just to respond. And this is going to lead to addictive and unhealthy behaviors. And it's going to affect things like eating and sleep and school and relationships and especially relationships with parents. It can be really hard for them to detach, which is just leading to a lot of chronic stress. There's also a lot of shame and stigma when they're not connected with that social media or if they're not using it frequently. Or if they are on there regularly, they're so worried about how they're being perceived. You know, they're looking for how many likes that they're getting, for example, and that's a form of validation. Unfortunately, it's not the right validation by any means, but you know, it's, it's just a no win sort of situation. Um, I do a whole sort of class on the stresses of technology and, you know, how technology is maybe not the best thing for our kiddos, but this is just an important piece for us to understand of what's contributing to their stress and anxiety. What makes all of this even worse is this thing called technoference, where technology is interfering with our kids' ability to build and sustain relationships. And one of the most important relationships, especially in childhood, 
is that time, uh, relationship with our parents. It's a really sensitive time for technoference because the needs of our kids, they have a high amount of needs to be able to interact effectively with their parents. That family relationship is the most important relationship for attachment and overall development when we're looking at long-term sort of well-being. And these relationships are really important just for kids to discover, you know, who they are, what are their values, what are their beliefs about the world. But unfortunately, there's this disrupted attachment where screens are causing this disruption in these attachments. And sometimes they're even replacing family development because kids aren't turning to their parents anymore for, you know, debriefing about what happened in their day or telling them what happened, you know, how they got hurt today or asking them for guidance. All of those things are so important for their well-being and development. So yes, although as adults, you know, having experienced many of the stressors our children have faced, we really are immigrants to this fast-paced, high-expectation, high-demand digital worlds that our kiddos were born in. And so, Yes, they really are experiencing way more stress than we ever did when we were kids. And I would even say, and research has supported this, more stress than what we are experiencing as well. But that's not to say we're not also, especially with COVID and everything that's happened and, you know, working from home and having kids at, at home was stressful. Fortunately, it looks like things are getting better. But what long-term causes has COVID had on us? We have to consider that our stress greatly affects our kids as well, especially our elementary age kiddos and younger, they are greatly affected. I mean, the teens are affected as well, but they also have their own peer pressure technology related stress that adds to that. So they are probably even worse off. But just to show you, you know, how much our kids are affected by us and our own stress, which is probably compounded as well over the past couple of years with COVID, there's some really interesting research in this area. So one example was they um, researchers had two groups of moms and they had their babies about 12 to 14 months old. And they took these stress-related baselines. So they're just, you know, when moms were calm and content and happy cuddling with their babies, they took some stress-related baselines. And then moms had to go and do a two-minute speech. And they had to talk about themselves. So they were talking about their strengths. Stressful already, having to talk about our strengths. And then they had a, a Q&A session afterwards. And the moms were split into two groups. So one group received positive feedback and the other group received negative feedback after their speech. And then the moms were then reunited with their babies. And the babies were immediately affected by their mom's stress. The researchers saw that the baby's heart rate changed and not just changed, it actually mirrored that of the mother's. And so immediately babies were picking up on the stress. These are just babies. They can pick up on their parents' facial cues, their posture, their voice tones, even their odor, all of these things that we might not even be thinking about. So we might try to act calm, but if we're anxious or we're physically agitated and we don't have enough sleep and when we're stressed, it makes it really hard to try to act calm. And we're also way more likely to overreact and yell, especially when we're at home, because we're not coping very effectively, especially at the end of the day, once we get home and our kids are in our face, our kids are going to see all of that and they're greatly affected by our stress. So when we do work with anxious children and teens, it's essential that we're looking at the entire environment. It's not just about their anxiety. We need to make sure we're working with the important people in their life and the parents as well, you know, taking a whole family approach because 
only affecting one person is only affecting one person in an entire system. And so we need to really be making sure that we are addressing all of the different people who are in that system that could be contributing and making anxiety worse. But that's kind of an overview. Like I said, there's so many different reasons why kids might be anxious and we don't want to get caught into the whys because we might just be spinning our wheels, but it is important to think about those stressors, which is a huge contributor to anxiety and look at how, you know, whether we or professionals or parents or whoever, whomever is, you know, working with these kiddos could be contributing to that stress. And, you know, are there ways that we can sort of minimize some of that? So, Thank you for joining me today and I will see you next time.